Thanks for checking out the Awaken Church podcast. Awaken Church messages are brought to you by our generous givers and partners. You can learn more about the vision or give financially to support the work God is doing here at Awaken by visiting our website, awakenchurch.cc. If you can't make one of our weekly worship services, you can always watch online by going to our website and clicking on the watch tab. And now, wherever you're joining us from, thanks for listening, and we hope this message encourages you. Man, I was talking to a couple after the early service, and there's a first Sunday back since pre-COVID. And uh, Eddie said to me, he said, it's different, it's different in the room. Can anybody attest that it is different when you're in the room? It's nothing against online. Listen, I know there's some people right now maybe driving to the beach and you've decided to watch on the way. Our prayer is that you get sunburned today. Isn't that right? Because some of y'all woke up this morning and you were like, man, this is the nicest day of the year, but you felt convicted by the Holy Spirit, so you came to church. Uh, I'm praying a high tide takes over the blankets and the towels of everybody at the beach this morning, and if you got a boat, I hope the gas line gets plugged up and you get stuck. And Let's be honest, guys, it's beautiful out there, right? But you're in church today, so you're about to get a double blessing. Open your Bible to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Uh, This is the last installment in our Jesus Is series. We've been talking about the character of Jesus. Uh, Jesus is grace, which we heard earlier was received, and we saw somebody get baptized, give their life to Jesus. We saw Jesus is happy, uh, that Jesus is really the point of life. He's everything that we've been looking for. And today, I want to preach on the fact that Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. Does anybody here already agree with that statement? You know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, This story that we're looking at uh, comes from the Last Supper. It's often a a story that's read during the Passover week. Uh, Maybe on Good Friday, we look at the Last Supper. But uh, today, I want to put it in a little bit different context for us, because I believe what Jesus says in these verses, uh, they apply to us today, just as well as they did back then, and just as well as they do the week of Easter. So John chapter 14, let's read it together. Jesus says, and he's talking to his disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm heading. No, we don't, Lord, said Thomas. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? To which Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Let's pray together. Father, I pray over the next few moments that these words would take root in the hearts of this room and those who may be listening online. God, I pray that your spirit would empower them to truly change people's lives. You tell us that when your word goes out, it accomplishes the work that you intend for it to. So God, within the sound of my voice this morning, I know that there are people who desperately need to know that there's a better way to live this life. And that way is named Jesus. So I pray that in these moments, he would come alive and that he would become uh, elevated in those minds who already know him 
and that he would come alive in the hearts of those who don't. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this, um, this particular passage, uh, it's the most famous meal in human history. We have famous paintings. Maybe you've seen the long table and the disciples sitting around the table. Uh, Jesus is having his last meal with his guys, and uh, this would be the night that he is betrayed and that he's arrested, and the trial begins, and he ultimately ends uh, on the cross. This is that meal. And up to this point in the meal, um, we have so many interesting interactions. Jesus has washed his disciples' feet, which was just mind-blowing for these guys, that the Messiah, that in their minds was going to set up an earthly kingdom, the Messiah gets on his knees with a towel and a basin of water and begins washing their feet. Then they have an argument about um, when the kingdom comes, they ask Jesus, who's going to be the greatest? Like, who's going to be your vice president, essentially? And they argue about that a little bit, and Jesus corrects them. Uh, Then they take the bread and the wine, and Jesus says, this is my body and this is my blood. And they eat and they drink. Then he tells Judas, you're actually going to betray me, and Judas leaves the room. And so you have, like, all this drama at the dinner table. And then Jesus is looking at them. Obviously, they're all shook. And Jesus looks at them and he says, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. In other words, it's it's all going to be okay. And you know what? If you came to church today, that of all the words that Jesus could speak to us right now, and I think specifically in our country and in our day, that's a really good line to remember, isn't it? Just don't let your hearts be so troubled. Don't be so shook by the things of this world, even the things that don't make sense. Trust in God and trust also in me. Why were they troubled? Anytime we hear Jesus say that, we have to read into the minds and read into the situation and go, okay, the guys obviously were talking amongst themselves. They're whispering in each other's ears. If you've ever been at a large family gathering, you know what being troubled looks like, right? Like you, you, you know that there's, there's tension, there's drama. Like, would you hear that? Did you hear that? Oh my goodness. Like, and he's already said like one of them's going to betray him in addition to Judas. He told Peter, like he told Peter in front of all of them, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And Peter keeps his seat. Can you imagine that? Everybody's like, hey, stay away from Peter. And he's sitting right there, right? Like they're, these guys are all, they're messed up because they were disappointed because Jesus is ultimately saying to them, hey, I'm about to be killed. No one wants to follow a leader who's about to be killed. The movement is about to stop. They thought he was going to be like this earthly king and that they would be a part of his entourage. And for the last three years, they had subscribed to that. But that's not what Jesus promised. And so they're sitting here in the middle of disappointment going, what do we do? And y'all, we, we find ourselves in the same place in life too. When life doesn't happen the way that we want, when our plan doesn't work out, don't we oftentimes just get troubled? We get upset, we're disappointed, we're discouraged, right? And we go, well, what do we do? And I love the fact that Jesus responds back to him this, right? Because when, when you're in a place of confusion or disappointment, what you need is a lot of clarity, And this is how Jesus clarifies things. He says, don't be troubled. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything's ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. In other words, Jesus says, hey, I'm going to go establish this like mansion somewhere and come back and take you to your room. Now we read that and we're like, oh, that's reassuring. Thomas speaks up like most of us wouldn't be like, no, 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 we don't even know where you're going. Like, this doesn't make sense at all. 
And, and if we were there, we would say the same thing. It makes no sense. We don't know where you're going. Jesus goes, I'm going to prepare a place for you in my father's home, and I'm going to take you there. And you know what? I, I, think, I think whenever this life gets discouraging and this life gets disappointing and my plans don't work out, uh, it is reassuring to know that I've got a home somewhere that I'm going to end up in called heaven. Like for the Christian, for the believer, it is very encouraging to know, hey, no matter what happens, this side of eternity, I'm spending eternity in heaven. That's a great reassurance, by the way. And if you're here and you're a Christian, you're like, I didn't know that. Now you know, okay? That's good news. But for these disciples, they didn't fully understand it. Now, when I think about this, I think about the fact when I was a kid, I was, I was a head case. Um, and to be quite honest, I had that in my notes, but I'm a head case today. I'm still a head case. The guy, Eddie, I was talking about earlier, uh, Eddie works for the city of Charleston Recreation. It's amazing that he would still come to this church after seeing me coach because I've, I get technical fouls. I have not been thrown out of a football game yet. I'm just passionate. I'm over the top. And, uh, and I don't like bad refs. And I, I, when I was a kid, like, I used to get in trouble, and I was like, you know, my mom would use my Nintendo Entertainment System as leverage. I had a 1986 original NES. And we had just moved into a new neighborhood. And it was summertime, school was out, and the way that she would punish me is to take away my Nintendo. And so I'd done something, run my mouth off, and I came home, and she's like, no Nintendo. Well, that was it. I just decided this is the line and you've crossed it. I'm leaving. And I made a decision to run away. Now, if you've ever made a decision to run away, you you know there's two ways to do it. Type one is you just react, walk out the door and you leave. That's that's not real good in terms of preparation. Type two, and my kids are in the room, my boys are in the room, uh, don't do this, but the second type of runaway and the one that's uh, more serious is when you actually pack a bag. And you decide, like, I'm, I'm leaving for good. This was that day for me. I got a book bag. And as an 11-year-old, I'm like, what all do I need? I didn't need another outfit because I can wear that forever, right? So there's not a lot of put in this bag. I go to the pantry, get some Pop-Tarts, grab some Cokes, and I hit the streets. And that was it. I walked down. I remember walking down the road. Didn't even take my bike. I was like, I'm just walking. I don't care. I want nothing from this house. I don't need this family. And I'm walking down Plantation Drive. I go to the school because there's a school at the bottom of the hill. And that's where I went to school. And I'm sitting there on the playground. And I'm like, never going home. And I'm, and I'm trying to figure out what my play is going to be. Like, do I, I don't really have anywhere to go, right? I hadn't thought that far ahead, but I do have my bag. And I sat in the playground for a while. There were these bike trails back behind the playground. So I go back on the trails Nobody can see me. I can't see anybody. I feel like I'm really rebellious. And it's summertime, right? So this is like June in Somerville, and it's hot as all get out. And I remember thinking, I'm ready to go home. <laughs> it's been a couple hours. I'm, I'm, ready. I'm ready to go home. So I took the long walk home, you know, go back up the hill. And I'm thinking when I get into the house, I'm going to get a tongue lashing, right? Like, you don't ever leave. You ask for permission before you leave. My mom was at home because she was a teacher, and it's summertime. Y'all, I walked back in the house, and nobody even knew that I left, right? Like, <laughs> that made me even more mad. I'm like, you don't even care about me. You don't love me. <laughs> there's just no place. Man, there's no place like home. And uh, I think about that in terms of how Jesus encourages his disciples here. Because ultimately what he's told them over the last three years 
is that this world is not your home. And if you're going to follow me and you're going to be a disciple of me, you're, you're always going to feel out of place here, right? Like, this, this is a broken place. It's a fallen place. Like, you're always going to feel like, man, this, this is not what you were designed for, but you're here. And I think sometimes in Christianity, if, if being transparent as I can be, sometimes we get so excited about where we're going, being our eternal home, that we forget we actually have a responsibility here. Think about it. Think about it real quick. If, if Jesus, because Jesus could have said, hey, guys, calm down, calm down. In three days, we're all going to heaven. It's going to be okay. He didn't say that. He's like, hey, don't, don't let your hearts be troubled. I'm going to prepare where we're going. And then when everything's ready, I'll come back for you. Wait a minute, you're leaving us here? Jesus, you're you're gonna leave us here and you're gonna go? Yeah, I'm gonna leave you here. Why? Because you have stuff to do. Listen, here's a newsflash maybe for some of you. If the point of Christianity or the point of salvation was just to get to heaven, if you're a Christian, you'd have been gone already. And some of y'all just got scared. You're like, oh, maybe I'm, no, no, that's not the point. You're supposed to be here. Because there's work to be done. The destination, right? There's an eternal home waiting for us. Jesus is preparing a place for us. But he's got work for us to do here. It's not just about getting there. I was, uh, this past week, obviously it's a crazy week, right? Like we had no gas shortage. Did anybody pull up to a pump and not be able to get gas? Anybody in here? Okay, well, you saw it all over the news, right? I was one of them, right? My wife was one of them, but what's new? Ashley, what? Rides on E all the time, right? Uh, <laughs> this past week was crazy. Like the gas shortage, what's happening? You know, people talk about end times. And then I think Wednesday, like Wednesday, people started putting gas like in plastic bags and stuff. And I think the government said, oh gosh, they're losing their minds. So let's just lift the mask mandate because everybody's going crazy, right? And, and so <laughs> the week's been a weird week for sure. And, and, and you start, anytime there's like chaos in the world, which... You're like, this past year, there's been nothing but chaos in the world. There's always this conversation about, are these the end times? Is this it? Is Jesus coming back now? And everybody starts talking about it, and they get weird about it. And, you know, I I don't want to address that necessarily right now, but here's what I want to say. We can get so caught up as Christians thinking about eternal home that we neglect current home when current home is actually our assignment. Let me say it again. We can get so caught up going, I can't wait for heaven that we forget our responsibility is to bring heaven to earth. Jesus says, look, I'm going to go prepare a place. And when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. And it's at this point that I love Thomas because Thomas says what I think I would have said in the moment. No, Lord, we don't know where you're going. We don't know the way. Stop talking like that. Does anybody ever get like a little frustrated at, at scripture? You read the Bible and you're like, this doesn't make sense whenever I put it up against my circumstances. I'm talking to the person right now that has difficulty forgiving somebody. You've been offended and you can't forgive. And you're like, no, I know what you say, Jesus, but it just doesn't feel right. So I'm not going to do it. Or I don't know how to love people that are unlovable. I don't know how to give when I don't feel like I have anything to give. I don't want to serve because I'm selfish. I'm talking about this conflict that happens inside of us when we read scripture, but we measure it up against 
our circumstances and we go, why? It doesn't make sense. Jesus tells his disciples, look, you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas, who we call Doubting Thomas, I'll just call him Honest Thomas. Like when I get to heaven, y'all are gonna be like, oh yeah, that's the doubter. That's the one that said, when I touch Jesus. When I get to heaven, I'm like, what's up, Thomas? I was on your page, dog. Like, we thought the same way. You know? You made sense. He speaks up and says, we don't, we don't know the way. We don't know the way. We don't, we don't understand. We don't know the way you're going. And Jesus says, ah, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one gets to the Father but by me. He says to Thomas, I'm everything you need. I'm already it. Like, you know me, so you know the way. And then Philip speaks up, which none of us really talk about Philip. He's not a popular disciple. Philip says, well, Lord, show us the Father, and then we'll be satisfied. In other words, give us what we want, then we'll be satisfied. And I think that's the state of, in a lot of ways, the state of current Christianity. Despite everything we've seen you do, Jesus, I still need something else. Like, let me ask, let me ask this. This would be a good question for maybe us all to go home and ponder this week. What, do, what else do we need God to give us so that we'll be satisfied? <laughs> like, what, what else does he have to do? Right? Like, I, I think about, you know, we, we, we get in a service like this and we sing songs of praise and we celebrate Jackie. Jackie, by the way, has the coolest guitar on the platform. Uh, but y'all know Jackie was playing guitar while she was praying and waiting for the child that she just got. Y'all, y'all do know that, right? That while she was waiting, she was still faithful. Because what a lot of people do, and I'm not trying to step on toes, but maybe I will. What a lot of us do is go, well, when you give me what I'm asking for, then I'll be faithful. And guess what? That never pans out. Because that's a selfish self-satisfying faith. God, you meet my needs, you give me what satisfies me, then we'll be good. And God says, that's not faith at all. That's not the equation. But that's why their hearts were troubled. Catch this. Their hearts were troubled because what they wanted didn't come to fruition. That's the recipe to having your heart troubled in this world. When Jesus himself is not enough to satisfy you, you will always be troubled. Because you're looking to him to get the things of this world, right? That's exactly what's taking place. Philip says, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. And look what Jesus says to him in verse 9. Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Let me stop real quick. Philip's had three years with Jesus. You think of all the things that he's been a part of. Right? Like Philip, Philip carried baskets of, of bread and distributed it to thousands of people when Jesus performed the miracle. Philip was on the boat when they all thought they were going to die in the storm. And Jesus just spoke the words and the storm died down. Philip high-fived Lazarus when he came back to life. Talked about it last week. What's up, Lazarus? Hey, man, good to see you again. Yep. Remember my name? I'm Philip. Like Philip has seen every miracle that Jesus carried out, yet in this moment, he's going, I need something else. (laughs) This is not enough. And Jesus goes, where have you been? Have you not seen what I'm doing? And listen, if I can just speak as a pastor real quick, sometimes when I see people in the church who have witnessed what I've witnessed come through these waters, who have heard the stories shared on this platform, I find myself asking like, what else do you need to see? God's working miracles in front of us. But I understand, in our human nature, we need more. Jesus goes, Philip, 
Why are you asking me to show the Father to you? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Catch this. One of the things that separates Christianity from every other worldview is this. We believe in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. Right here, Jesus is very clear. He says, look, I and the Father are one. We work in sync together. And it's the Spirit inside of me that enables this to take place. As we gather in this room and we worship that God, and we acknowledge this Jesus, if you're a believer in the house, this is good news for us, the same Spirit inside of Jesus is inside of every single one of us. And, and, and that should empower us and encourage us because the same way Jesus goes, look, Philip, he's in me. Everything you've seen me do, that's God. In other words, you want to know what the Father's like, Philip? The last three years, that's, that's who God is. In other words, you go, well, I want, I want to know more about God. What's he like, Jesus? How would God respond to this situation, Jesus? Like Jesus is going, everything you've seen me do, that's him. We're the same. We're the same. That's why I can't understand somebody going, I want to know what God's will for my life is. You got to read the Bible. You read the Bible and you'll determine it. You'll see it in the life of Jesus. How to respond to people. How to serve people. How to sacrifice for people. Jesus says, look, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We are the same. And I, and I think it's at this point that we have a choice to make. Every single one of us. Because what the disciples wanted they said, we, we want the Father over here, right? Like, our goal is to get God. Our means to getting that goal is Jesus. So Jesus, just get us to God, all right? Jesus, get us to heaven. Jesus, get me a baby. Jesus, get me the job. Jesus, get me the relationship. Get me the husband. Get me the wife. Jesus, get me the raise. Jesus, get me the better house. Right, like we, we, we use Jesus unintentionally, maybe, as a means to an end. And oftentimes without even realizing it. And, and that's where I think Jesus says, look, it's not me or the Father. It's me and the Father. We're the same. In other words, it's not where you're going to end up, heaven, or how you're going to get there. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He says, I'm, I'm the destination, but I'm also the directions on how to get there. Because you can't just get saved, I'm a Christian, and then neglect the Christ who shows you how to live on your way to the destination. Is this making sense? This summer, um, my family and I will be going on an incredible adventure. Uh, we, we were trying to think, man, where do we take our kids? We've done the Florida thing. Let's do something different. And a good friend of mine named Lee said, uh, hey, you should take your kids out to Yellowstone. It's the greatest thing. Get you an RV. You can rent it, a little RV share. It's kind of like an Airbnb on wheels. And get an RV and go through Yellowstone. And we're like, man, that's great. It's a little expensive. Well, then the government decided, hey, we'll just throw out some money to people. And we're like, cool, we're going to Yellowstone. And, and my kids have never flown before. So they've never been on a plane. So we got the, the tickets, and I was thinking about this, this passage in light of our uh, coming vacation, which, by the way, uh, he's got older kids, only a couple of them. 
we got four. We're going to be in an RV. Y'all can pray for me this summer uh, for a week. But uh, if I were to say to my four children, um, hey, guys, we're going to Jackson Hole, Wyoming. It's beautiful. You should see the pictures. And I, and I showed them pictures of the lake and showed them pictures of a mountain. Maybe, you know, like some of the spots in Yellowstone that we're going to visit. It's amazing. I'll see you all there. And then just let them, like, figure out how to get there on their own. Could you imagine that? Could you, I mean, just imagine, like, where would they even begin, right? Or maybe, maybe we gave them a head start, took them to the airport, threw them in the airport. I'll, I'll see you all in Wyoming. Y'all cool? Cool. We'll see you out there. Be chaos. Absolute chaos. By the way, I Googled um, tips for taking kids to the airport because I'm a little nervous. You know, I know all the statistics. And I'm horrified now after I read what came up. Like, y'all know those little leashes you can put kids on? I'm going to have like four of them, right? Just walking through the airport. But imagine like the the, the turmoil of them trying to get to a place without actually being guided on how to get there. I really do believe that sometimes our concept of Christianity is, okay, I got saved at 15, and maybe when I'm 80, I'll die and go to heaven. But how do I live this life in between? And Jesus goes, look, I'm, I'm the destination. Your home's going to be ready. But the way to get from where you are to where you're going, that's me. And Jesus goes, I am the way. God literally made a decision. I'm going to show my people how to live, so I'm going to send Jesus. The word is incarnation. God became flesh. God became a man and showed us how to live. In other words, that work that I said you're still here to do, we are here to model God for other people by following the way who has a name, and his name is Jesus. <laughs> That's why when Jesus went to the cross, and then he rose from the dead, and he met with his disciples and followers for 40 days, what did he tell them? He taught them how to live. He told him, hey, I'm going back to heaven. I'm going to send. I'm going to, I'm going to go back, and I'm going to be at the right hand of the Father. You're going to stay here. And while you're here, this is what I want you to do, Matthew 28. This is, this is your commission. I want you to go and do what? Make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And do what? Teach them to observe everything that I've commanded you, right? What are they teaching? They were teaching what they saw. They were teaching what they knew. They, they literally were trying to do the same thing with other people that Jesus had done with him. Why? Because that's the way. In fact, there was no church in the New Testament. It was called the way. They were followers of the way. It wasn't until Antioch, until a bunch of people who followed the way got together at Antioch, that people said, oh, those are Christians. That's the church. That's the ecclesia is what it's called. But earlier, they were just people who followed the way of Jesus. Jesus is the way to get where we all want to go. But you cannot and you will not get to the where unless you follow the way. He's very clear about that. And you go, what does that mean? What is the way? What is the way? It's it's the way that we interact and love people. Love our neighbor as ourself, right? Think about it like this. When we look at the gospels and we look at how Jesus lived, you go, "How, how do I... I'm just speaking for you real quick. I don't know everyone's scenario in this room. I can only imagine the variety of circumstances. I know some, but I look at a room like this and I think about those online 
Our earlier service had like 60-something shares on Facebook. And I go, man, in my mind, I started thinking, like, who is that going to? And who's listening to these words? Not my words, but these words. What situation has that fallen into? Because while we celebrate a, a, a child that's about to be born, I also know that there's heartache when that's not the case. I think about the depression that we heard is they've been delivered from depression or Kevin sharing on a platform, a friend who's passed away. Like what I know is that life is real and this word could fall on some ears that are going through difficult times. Um, How do we handle those things? How do we forgive when we've been offended? How do we know how to? What's the way? We, We open the Bible and we see Jesus say, Father, forgive them, even though they don't know what they're doing. It's so hard, I can't do that. Yeah, but Jesus did that. And Jesus is the way to live, so I do what Jesus did. Okay, well, what what about this, Pastor Brandon? I'm I'm really selfish, like selfish with my time, don't really want to serve anybody. I I know that, I get that. But God himself, like, came to earth and got down on his knees and washed feet and said that the greatest in the kingdom will be like this. I get maybe a little selfish with your time, But if you really want to follow the way of Jesus, you stick that selfishness aside. The way of Jesus is one where you give and you love without any expectation of return. Now, this is earth shattering and mind boggling to our world because our world is very transactional. Like, I'll serve you if you can do something for me. I'll scratch your back if you scratch my back. I'll follow you on Instagram if you follow me on Instagram, all right? It's, it's, that's literally where we live in. It's like a sales, you know? Unfortunately, we've, we've reduced relationships to, to business models, right? So it's deposits and it's withdrawals and it's, if I do this, then I get this mentality. What would happen? What, imagine a world where we as a church said, hey, can we go get coffee? And, and, and you took someone to Starbucks and you had a conversation. And they're just waiting. They're waiting for like the, the question, right? Like, okay, they, surely this person needs something from me, right? Like you only took me to coffee so you could ask me to join a volunteer team or maybe join a small group or leaders. What, hap- what would happen if you just, or, or invite you to church? What would happen if you just went and sat down with somebody and you didn't issue an ask at all? And it was like, okay, I, I'm just doing this because I love you. I want to be with you. I want to spend time with you. It's mind boggling. Like that doesn't happen. Right? I think about like, what, what if you just called somebody, right? What if you just called somebody just to call them and you weren't expecting anything back? You just did. What if you just uh, paid for somebody's meal? Like next time you're at a restaurant, you just paid for somebody's meal. And you say, you know what? The Lord just, the Lord just impressed it on my heart to cover your meal. It's like, that's weird. Why is it so weird? It's weird because we don't live in a world like that. We live in a world that says, I'll do for you if you do for me. Jesus comes down and says, I'm going to do for those who can't do anything for me at all. That's who we follow. And when I say our our responsibility is to bring heaven to earth, when you start giving people a glimpse of that, it's so contrary to this world, they want to be a part of that movement as well. That's why the way of Christianity should be the most attractive thing on the planet. And that's the church that I envision us having. I envision us having a church that loves people with no expectation of return, right? Like, hey, we're not going to come serve your neighborhood so you'll come to church. No, we're just serving you because Jesus said serve. And if you ever want to care about why we're doing that, well, there's this man named Jesus. Changed our lives. 
I'd love for you to get to know him. But if you don't, that's okay. Like, if you don't come, that's okay. Right? Like, what would happen if we just forgave people with no strings attached? Well, I'm going to forgive you, but only if you, only if you apologize. Imagine that. Jesus on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Jesus didn't say forgiveness only applies if you apologize. Forgiveness is one way. Reconciliation is, is two ways, right? So I, I think about that and I'm like, what would happen if we actually lived out the way of Jesus on our way to where we eventually will be, which is heaven? That's the call in our lives. And for those of you who are here who are Christians and you've subscribed to that, Maybe you've just said, hey, I want the destination of being with Jesus, but I'm not following the directions of Jesus. Let me encourage you to pick up the directions. This is the GPS right here. The Holy Spirit is Siri, by the way. <laughs> just to tell you where to go. You can't do it on your own. And I've learned, listen, I've learned the same way that sometimes I need my wife to dial in Siri and give me the directions. The church does that for us. Like God speaks through his people, through the church. You need each other. Amen? Like you're not, you're not, you can't do this on your own. That's why we're here. Listen, the church that I see is one that, that loves selflessly, really does serve sacrificially. When I think about Somerville, by the way, if I can just take a moment and talk about the Somerville kickoff. Can we put that graphic up there? I know I'm like way past that in the service, but any chance we can get that summer kickoff graphic? Look at that. Y'all give it up for the production team real quick. Two things come to mind when I think of this, by the way. All these dots, these are active households in our system. You go, what's the system? It's just a church database system. We keep addresses. When you're in a group, when you give, when you serve. We said, hey, we, we want to get active households in the Somerville area that are part of Awakened Charleston. And here you go. And you see them, they all start to uh, bunch up in here. This was my house growing up. This, my house growing up, I didn't have an active, vibrant faith with Jesus Christ. And it took me down a lot of roads with a lot of heartache. When I see this map, I think about that because there are thousands of homes with guys like me that live in this geography that need a life-giving church that teaches them about Jesus. That's what I think about. The other thing I think about, and I know this is gonna seem weird, but who in the world's coming in from Huger? <laughs> this is what it tells me, and I'm not knocking any church that may be out there, but it tells me there's not a life-giving church like this in Huger, that this is worth driving for. And I think it's time we take this to where they are, that there's more of an expression of who Jesus is and his community out where these people live. And you go, why do I need to come to the Somerville Summer Kickoff? Here's why. Because you can do more in your neighborhood than you can commuting in 30 minutes away. That's just a fact. The reason that we're awake in Charleston at this campus is because I moved to West Ashley. That's a fact. If I'd have moved to Goose Creek, guess what? We'd be out there on 52 right now, Red Bank Road. But you, you grow and you reach your geography, right? And all of us, those cards that are on our seats, all of us have people in our lives that we need to reach. And if you're in Somerville, you're in Goose Creek, you're in Ladson, you're in North Charleston on the Dorchester side, the deep down Dorchester side, I'm talking about closer to Bacon's Bridge Road, you need to be at this kickoff because there's work to do. And God's about to do a great work and I don't want you to miss it. Now before we close, I feel like I need to issue an invitation 
for some of you to join the way that I just talked about. Like you come to church, but the idea of actually following Jesus has never actually taken root in your life. And you go, well, I've always, I've known about a heaven, I've known about a destination, but I don't really know the person with the directions. That person is Jesus. He's the where we're going, but he's also the way that we get there. And I wanna invite you to give your life to him right now. Would you bow your heads all across the room? Nobody looking around? All across the room, if you're here today, and you would say you're ready to begin following Jesus, truly following Jesus, like living your life according to the way that he lived his, to take up his instruction, to love people and serve people and sacrifice for people, to forgive people. And you would say, I want the spirit of God living in me to, be, to allow me to live as Jesus lived. And you say today for the first time, I wanna follow that Jesus. When I count to three, I'm gonna ask you to lift your hand. You say, today's the day I want to change. I'm crossing from death to life. I want the spirit of God inside of me on the count of three. One, two, three. Just lift your hands right now. Amen, I see you. Amen, I see you. In the risers, I see you. Praise God. Praise God. Let me pray for you. Keep your hand up. God, thank you so much. Thank you for the spirit of God, your Holy Spirit that changes hearts, changes lives. And right now, you see these hands. And these hands are outward declarations of hearts that have been changed. And Father, I pray that this church would come around these new family members, God, and help show them how to live life according to the way. God, thank you for salvation that comes by no other name but Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And this morning, these have embraced it for the first time. We love you and praise you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And the church said, amen. Hey, as we stand in worship, can we celebrate? Some hands that flew up this morning. Y'all get to your feet. Let's praise together. Stand up.